whole life. So good for the art, that's why I'm so nice. I've been doing this thing my whole life. So good for the art, that's why I'm so nice. Nice recovery. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is the Man Up Podcast with your host, Jake, the Mississippi Superman Reeves. And I'm with my boy, Alan Aldridge from Porch Talk again today, guys. We had a great episode on Saturday, and we're keeping it rolling today. Here we are on Wednesday. What's going on, brother? Shout out to the boys, uh, Wes and Tyler. For not being here? Yeah, dude. I, I've, it's, it's becoming like a rarity for me to like be on the show and both of them be here. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you have, well, you haven't been here with both of them here. Since, the, long, since the beginning. Yeah, since a long time ago. It's always been me, you, and one of them mm-hmm. for most of the episodes. I think we had we had that one. I think that we where we shot, um, where it was recorded. We had and we had when you when you came on when we weren't doing the video. Yeah, that I think all four of us and maybe one other time that was that was recorded. I think that's it. Yeah, I think most of the time it's just one of you. And now you're on here twice in a row with neither of them. And this Why month, I'm solo boys th- and girls. This month you have done. More episodes of the Man Up podcast than Tyler. Well, actually, this month than Tyler or Wes either one. Oh boy! So you've uh, you've been on four of four episodes. Tyler has been on zero of four, and Wesley has been on two of four. So really, for the month of December, you are the co-host of the Man Up podcast. What's apparently. up, boys? I I want to tell Welcome y'all home, baby. the good news about Porch Talk. While I'm at it, uh, as we stated with the close of the last episode. Uh, now, I'm only on, like, the podcast episodes, but, our podcast episodes, podcast apps, not really on YouTube, but please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Is it, Absolutely. Is it good? Because yeah. it, it really does help, like, even if it's a one star, I'd prefer the five. I want, yeah, I want that five. Dog. I want the five. Yeah, yeah, and if you're, if you're watching this here today, guys, before we do get into it, if you would please go like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching this or if you're listening, you can also go find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure to leave us five stars there. Um, you can also catch us on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as the Mississippi Superman Show, uh, not the Man Up Podcast. So we've got the YouTube channel, which is the Mississippi Superman Show. Everything falls under that umbrella. And the Man Up Podcast and the actual Mississippi Superman Show, which is our blog, um, are under that same YouTube channel and Instagram, TikTok. And, ju- and just while I'm at it, dude, I'm huge on this, is be the notification like for Man Up or for me on Porch Talk. is like if you will share that on your social media, that reach, like, man, you, you're really doing the Lord's work for me. Yeah. You know, it, it, it helps. People... This is a this is a really interesting space that we're in because it really has to grow organically. There's really n- that I know of another way to do it, and, I, and I'm doing a lot of things. I post small clips and things like that. But at the end of the day, if the people aren't vibing with you, the people just aren't vibing with you. If they are, it. they are. And, and I know, like starting out, you know, you probably get it too in your DMs to where like you'll have these marketing teams be like, dude. If you can buy followers. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll what up are you getting really? Nothing. Yeah, I it's mean, not why? lucrative. Why? And even What's like, the point? and even with like a big social media following, a bunch of bots following me. That's that's a thing. Yeah, well, that's a lot. A lot of times when you're paying for those followers, that's what you're getting. So I have a friend. He does a lot of stop motion art. And uh, before he shut his Instagram, what the hell is stop motion art? It's like claymation kind of thing. Hold on. So it, all it is is like, let's say you. It, it's called bread tie samurai. If you want to pull it up on YouTube, but. This is your homeboy's name. 
uh, Dave Garrett, but uh, stop motion. So he, pull that up. he literally builds these characters out of bread ties, and he takes hundreds of photos and makes like a music video with them. <laughs> and dude, like people are are really starting to get behind this. But when he had a fairly large uh, social media following. It really wasn't doing anything for him. It wasn't going anywhere. And now that he's just on YouTube, just dropping it and not talking about it, it's better than ever. What's it's the name? it's uh, Bread the name? Tie Samurai. Bread Tie Samurai. Bread Tie Samurai. Let's see here. Uh, bread Tie, one word. That might help. There he is. Huh, okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah, just that 42, yeah, this is, uh, and this is kind of cool. Too if, much for business insurance? Like, Next, what you like talking about, because this is a very, like, it's a it's a story of a a warrior finding his way. Well, let's pull this, let's pull this up here. Let's pull this up. But all, he's just snapping a whole bunch of photos. doing It's stop motion. Ain't that crazy? This is your homeboy. Yeah. This is what he does this in his spare this time. Is real weird. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's great, yeah. Yeah. Like wh- like where do you get the like idea to do this? I have no idea. He's tra- he's showed me the apps. I'm trying to get into it because I think it would be cool to like uh you could tell a story, not just dropping a YouTube video of like just a picture and your song, but you could build the whole Narrative. So, like, is the, is this an actual like music video that they're doing? They're just yeah, he's, like he's got his uh, he's got his guitar work behind it, huh? And it's kind of like a western guitar, so it's kind of like a western samurai kind of take on it. That's a crazy. That's just a crazy thing. Very niche, man. It's a very like I've just never never really seen like that's like I would roast him if he were my homeboy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But in a fun way, and then if you ever tried to quit, I'm like, bro, don't quit. Like, yeah, he's good. Like, keep it. doing it. Like, you, 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 like I know we roast you because that's one thing you got to understand. He, like, he's made he's, he's made several music videos for like fairly prominent folk artists, and they they are just into his stuff. He does like music videos for people. <laughs> and you know that could, I mean, that's a thing. Like, I get it. Like, I, it's weird. It's weird. But like, back- but I like, I like, I really, I'm. Like, it's something so far away from what I would ever do, but it's so cool to me that, like, somebody has figured out that mm-hmm. you can do this, and, like, it's a thing. But, like, when he had this huge following on Instagram, like, he had, like, T-shirts and different things that you could buy, and he's, like, over a period of, let's say, three years and had thousands of followers, all that did for me was make me a couple hundred bucks. He said, wasn't lucrative. Didn't mean anything. Now he's just cutting out his YouTube videos, and the channel is doing better than it was when he had that following on social really? media. It's insane. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. If, I mean, because I think it's that, it's that organic and his reach, like uh, the people that likes what he does. I mean, they yeah. constantly share. You're not, well, you're not going to make a lot of money on Instagram anyway. No, you're not. Not usually. Not not from Instagram. Not from. I don't know if that's what he's talking about. He's making sales or what it is, but. I mean, typically, and there, there's if you're like you can make money with like Facebook reels right now, mm-hmm. but like he would he, would, he following. would put his art on like Instagram, and then like you know like if someone was interested, they gotcha. would they would DM and he would yeah. sell it, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, okay, that's crazy. 
That's crazy. We, we wrapped up last week. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift a little bit here. We wrapped mm-hmm. up last week. We were talking about fundamental differences between men and women, the way that uh, risk factors. Right? Yeah, the way t- testosterone affects risk. And then from there, we got off onto something. I don't remember exactly how it ended. You uh, brought up a point, and I don't remember what the point was. I went from uh, how many women drug dealers do you think right, they are? Right, right. So here's the question. Are just risky endeavors such as that. Like, you know, now uh, that the culture is kind of shifting a little bit, there are women CEOs, but typically it is males. And when you look at a bell curve of intelligence, most women uh, operate on the top side, like right in the middle of the bell curve, right at average. Now, some can go down to the genius side of it, uh, but usually they're right in the middle, and dudes are at the retarded side and the genius side. And, like, when you mix testosterone in with that, that makes perfect sense to why they are taking risks. They they will put everything on the line to go yeah. get the bag, here, so the, to speak. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves that I think – is really the most pertinent. I don't think anybody has a direct answer to because I think it is a mixed a mixed answer. But the question is how much of guys being more risk less risk adverse, being taking more risks, how much of that is taught by society versus how much of that is uh, hormonal and evolutionary psychology taking a play? Okay. That's the. I think that's the question we have to I think, ask. I think history really helps answer the question as well. Well, has there ever been a society that didn't push that on their boys? Has there ever been a society that didn't? I don't know. That, I mean, that's I very know. fair. I mean, even if you look at like primitive, like let's just take the well, you had the native Indians here. Like they had rites of passages to get them right. well, into you, manhood. You had to. You had to be masculine. Every point in history up till now, which is which is why we have this what we're viewing as an attack on masculinity. What it actually is is us living in a world that it can it, that things can exist without it. Because throughout history, without very strong masculine tough men around, everybody died. Well, I mean, what's the cycle that you hear so many people who talk about society and culture, whether it be podcasts or their influencers? The thing that they say is that uh, history. In humanity is a cycle uh, that good men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, bad times create great men. Right. And it's a, it's a and then and it, it's been cycling that way for a long time. The question you have to ask yourself, like, because you said weak and bad, like, I view I view masculinity and femininity in amoral constructs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't I don't believe masculinity to be good i don't believe femininity to be bad or vice versa i don't find that masculinity to be inherently good or femininity to be inherently good or inherently bad it's just two different worldviews that are in constant competition and balance at the same time so it's the reason why i believe a two-parent home is the best home i believe that a balance of masculinity and femininity done properly is the most conducive situation for um, life to be spent. Mm-hmm. I think that anytime the balance of masculine and feminine ideologies fall out of whack in either direction, it causes problems. Oh. So an overly masculine society I would use for this would be um, like a lot of Islamic societies where women are circumcised so they don't sex does not feel good to them in order to keep them virtuous and keep them... Um, from cheating 
uh, where they're not allowed to show any part of their body, where they're where where men can physically abuse a woman without repercussion. If she rejects him, he's allowed to throw acid on her or not allowed, but it happens yeah. where men get angry. And that to me is like that's a prime example of what a lot of people I think are trying to reclassify toxic masculinity. That's a, that is that is. And what makes that masculine? Because it's amoral. Masculinity is uh, direct physical conflict as opposed to being uh, communal and or uh, passive aggressive. So, okay. like, like when you there's a lot of things that you can classify masculine or feminine, and I don't think that either one are moralistically good. I think the balance is what makes it more. I think any time that you take an Abrahamic faith, such as Judaism, Islam, Christianity, or Christianity. Yeah. Uh, that is going to lead to a more masculine society. Like, let's just take the World Cup. It was in Qatar. There were a lot of journalists. There were a lot of people from the United States, maybe even Canada, that were showing up. They wanted to wear ra rainbow wristbands or uh, some kind of pride shirt. When they got up to the gate, they found out that they were not going to be uh, admitted in wearing that because in Qatar, it is a very Islamic faith, mm -hmm. uh, very masculine culture to where they will actually throw a homosexual man off a roof. So, so here's the here's the thing that we we have to think about. So one of the one of the primary differences between masculine energy and feminine energy is uh, independence versus communalism. That's it's, yes, that's, I would agree with that's that. That's probably one of the most the biggest differences because men are hierarchical. Men have a top dog and a bottom dog. They have the alpha. They also have the beta. We, we're, we're very hierarchical. Now, there may not be an alpha in every group of men. That it may shift from time to time, but like historically, we were very, we were very hierarchical. In the workforce, we're very hierarchical. Um, the best get the most. You keep what you kill. Um, and if you are the best at what you do, you get the most. If you're not, if you don't produce you don't eat. That's that's the masculine mentality. The what? feminine mentality is we all have to live together. Where we should all share. No one person is more important than the other person. And we do need both. But like just for that masculine view, I mean, one of my favorite heroes, Macho Man. What did he say? The cream is going to rise to the top. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Well, that's the that's the masculine mentality. That's the it. Cream rises to the top. Um. And so you take that. You take that to an extreme level, whereas ultimate masculinity would mean that if I'm strong enough to take your what's yours, I can take it. That's if I'm right. strong enough to kill you, you I, and take your women, it. I can do that to you. And what the invention of morality did was it put constraints on masculine and feminine, but a quite a bit on masculine extremes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you look at the you look at the amoral construct of masculine and feminine, early morality and laws put constraints on that you can't kill you can't kill you can't uh steal rather you can't uh take another man's wife so on and so forth all right what you get into now is like okay well if neither are good or bad how do we maintain that that uh that balance and uh, i think that's a very interesting thing because what we see throughout history over and over again is that as masculinity becomes less important femininity rises that's you right. know f f the idea of feminism, socialism, 
and communism, things like that, they only exist in worlds of extreme abundance, and only the more abundant that world is could any form of socialism ever work. So the more abundant our world gets, the more socialistic it'll get, and the more abundant we get, the more socialistic it can get. However, the problem with that theoretically, when that arises is, is when are we at a point where socialism will stop limiting the abundance? Because as we become more socialistic, things, you know, then people are less uh, incentivized, whatever, and the corruption of people ends up taking a hold, and it's going to eventually probably make it crumble. I mean, that's the whole thing with, like, the equality and equity, and I think we've talked about this in the past, but let's, they say they want to cut the grass in the name of equality and equity. That's fine, but wh- what you're going to find is, sure, you might have some different people grow higher than others, but typically the same people are going to rise to the top. Yeah, no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah. And, you, and you'll see new ones when there's resets. You'll see, you'll see like, uh, when there's really big changes, like the Industrial Revolution, like the Tech Revolution, uh, Social Media Revolution, things like that. You'll see, which Social Media is part of the Tech Revolution. You'll see new billionaires, new people rise to the top, but it, for the most part... And that's the, that's the, that is actually an argument for masculine culture because masculine culture is what produces those things. That's they, right. They produce new, exciting, renov- uh, you know, elevative, um, innovative things. I had this pop in my mind, too. I wanted to run this idea uh, by you while we're kind of uh, chasing this, is if, if, a, if a woman is going to have a successful man, that is a busy man. Well, yeah. I think. Of course. Yeah, and I think there is a lot of people who don't understand that. I think that's Only why dummies. Yeah, and that's and that's why they end up with retards. Yeah, that, the only dummies would think that. I mean, um, and I think that this is a problem because a lot of your more alpha men tended to work more, which means that they were away from the home more, which means very few children have had any real raising by more alpha men. Yeah. Uh, and this was the actually the point that I planned with the – today's episode, I was going to talk about this with Mark, is um, that might be one of the moral conundrums of teaching men to be more alpha. Because as you teach men to become more alpha, you give them more power. And if you're not also teaching them to be better people in the process, if you're not also teaching them to somewhat be beta, if you're not also teaching them to, to do you know whatever, I think that you may be creating giant pieces of shit. Because a lot of beta men, when I talk about beta, I'm talking about guys who are um, extremely monogamous, low number of sexual partners, um, maybe have good jobs, but he's not the guy that you're passionate about, not the guy. Because that's really what it comes down to. I was watching a movie with my wife the other day. It was on Netflix. I don't remember the name of the movie. It was set in Ireland or Scotland. And it was a woman who was uh, married to her, this uh, like aristocrat, like lord or whatever. And um, he became paralyzed and couldn't have children, and he wanted her to have a baby, and so she went to the guy that worked there for him, and she had this whirlwind romance, and cheated on her husband, and then he ended up with the with the worker, and that was like the love story or whatever. Um, and her chasing this like much more passionate yet less secure relationship. The more passionate, more less secure relationship is the alpha. The man who uh, you'll risk everything for. The guy who you'll chase. And a lot of times the guy that hurts you. The guy who has lots of sexual partners because he's very passionate. He's very, uh, he's very, he's, he's invigorating to be around. Mm-hmm. He, um, 
he has a lot of personality. He's maybe really funny and charming. He he has you know maybe he's well well off and maybe he's not. That's actually more of a beta quality. And I was watching this with my wife, and I was like, this is the typical alpha beta struggle uh, that women feel in life because because everything tells you to get with the guy who's going to give you a nice life and who's going to be loyal to you and not have a lot of sex, uh, sexual conquest. The guy who has a good family and he just wants to stay at home with the kids. Yeah. And that's what women are brought up to, to want to marry. But that's not the guy that they fall in love with. They fall in love in their earlier years with kind of the bad boy, the, the, mm-hmm. the musician, the guy who really makes her feel, the guy that she breaks her rules for. And that guy typically uh, is very alpha, which is more the alpha the alpha, not everybody thinks, you know, the businessman is the alpha, but the businessman can be alpha, but he, a lot of times in the relationship, he becomes beta. He's alpha at work, but he's beta at home. The, but that, that alpha is the man that she yearns after. It's the guy that she chases, the guy that she, um, you know, is always thinking about even after she settles down with the other guy. The, the Leonardo DiCaprio and the Titanic. That's it. That's the, that's the, that's the alpha widow situation right there. But the problem with that is if you were to teach that beta to act more like the alpha, which in a lot of these movies, the alpha really falls in love with the woman, but that's not what happens in real life. What happens in real life in those situations. That's one thing I have problems. And I mean, you you probably go through anybody that has a relationship with a woman and you're sitting down watching a rom-com. Is it is so displaced from reality right. and how things actually work? Yeah, that's actually a concept that if you ever read Rollo Tomasi, uh, he wrote the book The Rational Male and se- several other books. Really, really intelligent guy. Um, from what I've read, I haven't read one of his whole books yet. I've been on his website and I've read pieces here and there. And it's um, one of the next readings on my readings list is going to be one of his books. But he seems very well thought out. He he's very data and logic driven. He's not an emotional cat um which he teaches about like the importance of masculine energy being Let's logical not emotional because he sounds like the opposite of like I, I like jordan peterson yeah but he jordan peterson but he's is a the, very emotional guy yeah and he's also the beta spectrum of the same topic which is crazy and i want to say this i am a fan of jp but yeah, i, wa- I want to say that uh you know 12 rules rules for life i think that is great for young men but I am waiting for him to write a book for me who is, al- who, is al- who has already made their bed. Yeah. Like, what is the next move, JP, if you're going to speak to this culture? What do you mean by made your bed? But that's a big com- – like, that's rule number one. If you're looking to change the world first, you know, change change you, make your bed, be responsible for yourself. Is right. kind of the premise of that. I think that. I think that one of the places I think that you're messing up here is you think that you've made your bed. I think that you're making a mistake. Oh. In that in that thinking, okay, your bed is absolutely not made. Like you, how old are you? Thirty-two. Yeah, you're the same age as me, dog. My bed's not made either. Like like if your bed being made means that you think that you have your your life kind of trajectory figured out. Like you're already like like there's absolutely. I don't feel like there's a way at thirty-two years old you could be done. And if you do have your life trajectory figured out, do you, do you have the skills? that you're going to need to get where you need to go for the rest of your life? Or you, do you have the skills to, like, do that? Do you feel like? It's, it's a constant learn, man. But like, Right, so that's what I mean, your bed not being But made. I mean, like, I've got my career, and then I have, like, uh, the content creation, and right. both of those are both yeah. projecting up. Right, and you, but, uh, so you know where you're wanting to go, but yeah. the question is, like, 
a lot of times I think as people, what we have to do is we have to take a deep dive, look at ourselves and say, and this is what I do too um, every day and I'm never there, but like take a deep look at yourself and it's like, okay, am I prepared for this next step? Like, am I, am I the kind of person that can do this? Mm-hmm. And the answer usually is no, because if you were, you'd already be there. So That's the next point. the next step of your journey may not be waiting on the success to come. It may be what do I need to learn to make the next step of the success come? Where how do I upgrade me? Because that's where everybody messes up is they think that and there is something to be said for waiting, but like if you're not thinking about okay, what area am I slacking in? There's no way there's not one. If you, if you were to name your, your you know, faith, family, fitness, finance is a big one people talk about. The G code, as Ryan Simon talks about. But if you were to look at all those areas, because if, if one of those areas is off, everything else is going to be off eventually too. So, like, if you look at all those areas, are, are you are you perfect in all those areas? And so if you're not, like, thinking. Definitely not on the fitness side. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So maybe I would say that might be your next the next step in your journey. That is, that is a step I want to – that's a step I want to start and stepping. You, if you – Here's what I think. I think that God, and this is my personal opinion, I believe in God. I'm not going to act like I don't on my podcast. Um, if you don't, change it to whatever you want to say, the universe, whatever. Um, but this is, this is, I believe that God gives us things at times because, but he, I don't, I, don't, I believe that he, he will hold things back from you that you're not ready for. I think that if you're operating in a way that you the, that you should be operating, because I mean, when you see, when you see, for instance, like young people become super rich really quickly or really famous really quickly, and it's always a bad thing. Oh, name one Disney child star that is not just totally screwed up in the head. totally mental right yeah, now. Yeah, right. All of them, all of them that I know of. So you take that and you say, okay, what does that tell me? That tells me that. I become more ready for success the older I get. I'll become less crazy. Like, but the question you have to ask yourself is, am I preparing myself to be successful? Am I, am I learning the things that I'm going to need for this next step? I mean, things like tax code even. Things like, how, like if I become a millionaire, am I, how am I going to manage that money? What, is that, what does that look like? Am I oh, ready? Dude, I started my LLC last year, and uh, I just got a letter in the mail tell you just like how crappy I am at like running an LLC I have got to get an accountant or like get up with someone like you that has been doing an LLC yeah see I'm an S-corp actually yeah but I used Uh, to be an LLC uh, I'm an LLC operating as an S-corp actually is not how I am but I accountant does that yeah but I have like I get a letter in the mail and it's like you failed to do this you failed to do this here's the fine here's the fine and I was like oh wow ended up being like $154 and some change in fines and I looked at the due date, and it was back in March, and I'm just getting a letter in November. But, uh, I mean. It happened it, to me several times. It's, it's funny how that works. Yeah. And it was like, you had by the end of the year, by the way, you need to pay this. Yeah. Which, I mean, 154, it's not a whole lot of money, but it's hundred. It's taxes, dude. And I don't yeah. want, who wants to pay taxes? Money that, money that you didn't have to spend. Yeah. Though. It's $154 yeah. that you didn't have to spend. Yeah. Um. And, and so, but that's so that, like that's may, my, maybe that bed isn't made. I think it. Of course, it's it, not. It can't it, be done. And it's 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 mistakes like that. It's like that's why retired okay. men die. Yeah, men yeah. men need to be pursuing. I, I, when we I, stop chasing, we stop living. I think we talked about this, but like of, I'm an Alabama football fan. My practically my whole family is, and so my dad likes to ask me, 
of when do you think Nick Saban will retire? And I said, I don't. I because if he does, I think it'll be like Barry Bryant. Like yeah. Barry Bryant retired six months later, dies. Like he is, he, he is pursuing and doing exactly what he needs to do. He like that is what he's put on this earth to do. Yeah, to influence and change young men's lives and put them on a positive trajectory and get some national championships while you're at it. Yeah, and being the very best in the game. There's something to be said for that. I, I, and that's that that right there is the is the is the masculine philosophy of of and that's sort of where I'm going with you right now. The pursuit should always be perfection because perfection can never be reached. And and it's funny, and I think like this was a point I was wanting to make. Like when you think about Nick Saban, like they love pulling this stat, and they loved it when Kirby Smart finally got him. It's like uh, all all his coordinators years gone by, they all go on to be head coaches at schools that he has to play. And then he right. had the record. Kirby Smart finally took him down. Uh, Jimbo took him down, and then like it's a big hoorah, and it's like. That is so crazy because if you're talking about the best, uh, he is training these guys, and now the people that he trained is right. getting after him. And, and that yeah. is that is such a funny thing when it comes to, like, this alpha beta thing. It's like not only is he an alpha, but he's training alphas. Right. Leaders create leaders. That's it. You know, leaders create leaders. He knows the secret sauce, and I think that's what – a lot of things in life are just systems. It's, they're just like, okay, I, I learned the system of how to do this thing. Now it can be repeated. And I think he's, I think Nick Saban invented the system that works. I think he invented the, 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 the sauce, if you will. And like I said, that's the, that's the pursuit that we're all on. We're all on this pursuit of like, okay, I want to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I want to be at, li- and, and the, the real competition should be, I want to be the best version of myself because nobody's, nobody's journey is exactly alike. So I'm I mean, trying to be the best version of myself. That is, that is one thing that I really enjoy about coming on this podcast with you. And, like, I, I want to open Porch Talk back up and, like, have some of these conversations on that platform as yeah. well. But uh, not only do I want to be the best podcast in my genre, but I want to be the best in town. Yeah. But you and I are strangely working together. Right. I want to be like, the best and, in the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm kind of like, I love Joe Rogan, but like, I'm like in a weird competition with him in my head. Yeah, like I because I like I'm I'm just like I'm in a competition with everybody. That's like it. I'm trying to be the absolute best in the world at anything I'm doing. Period. Even things I'm not doing. Why else would you do it? Right. right. <laughs> I, like like I explain to people a lot of times when, why I quit fighting was when I kind of gave up on being the best in the world. I had absolutely no drive to do it anymore. I had no I. Why am I still doing this? Why am I cutting this weight? Why am I being so miserable? I'm not going to be world champion. So if that's off the table, mm, then it just became like, okay, I need to fight because I need to have a record if I'm going to own a gym. I need to have a few fights under my belt. I need to kind of, like, prove myself a little bit. And eventually I was like, man, fuck what everybody else thinks. Like, I don't care. Like, if you if you want to say that I don't – I don't care. Like, I, I like don't train with me then, you know? Um it's been, it has been, like, since I've gotten to know you and, like, since Relentless was kind of on the radar for me, is, like, just seeing uh, the way that you handle yourself in this business differently as the years go by. It's, like, yeah. uh, really kind of, uh, I guess, like, I guess coming into yourself. I don't know how to really how to put it, but it's, like, you, you yeah. have really changed your model yeah. a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's, it's, it is different for sure. Um, I don't know if for the better necessarily, but it's better for me. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
It's, I mean, it's not that much different. It's uh, part of it has been just out of necessity. Part of it, like with my marketing and things, a lot of it was just shifting to market the this, and I stopped focusing as much on the gym. And then the gym kind of has become almost more of just like a, like to the public perception, like a like a another version of this kind of like it, it, it's sort of, they're sort of linked. And so it, it's changed the people that I'm getting. It's it's kind of run some people off because, but it, those were the people that I don't think were going to stick around <coughs> anyway. Um, because I started really thinking more about my marketing and my what am what do I want to what do I want to tell the world? Mm-hmm. You know, like the gym was like, okay, how can I solve your problems with my gym with the gym? And then the podcast and everything started being more like, okay, what do I think the how can I solve the world? What does the world need here? And so, like, a more of a masculinity-based and really, like, using my personality to do it. So, it really became more personal, I think, yeah. is a lot of it, especially from the outside looking I, in. The way that we run the things behind the scenes is pretty much the same. I enjoy, like, this this format and, like, what you're doing. And, like, our podcasts are so different because, like, I'm, I'm going out and, like, talking to these people, creators, whether musicians, artists, entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, just kicking it with the boys, maybe having a little fun, uh, making fun of what's going on in the world. I mean, right. we live in a clown world, but this is a very serious thing. And I mean, like you're trying to speak truth and yeah, well, it's very serious people. in the most silly way possible. Yeah, but I mean, the message is very the, serious. The mes- message is very serious, but like a lot of it is because I'll be honest with you, I think that the most harmful thing that's happened to the man in America or the man of the Western or He's our modern culture. You know what? I I think what's where it starts from is there's no tribe. Like there's like there's no longer that hierarchy. We're so separated from our tribe. And if you look at like when you look at men and you ask them, "Hey, what's the happiest you've ever been?" Oh, it's, it's always a good old good it's old days. Good old day stories of throwing the football with the boys and winning state or um, you know, hanging out with the boys on the weekend, and I'll app here and I, I love. I hate to hear that. Like I love to tell those stories, right. but man, I I still believe that my best days are still ahead of me. My man. best days are ahead of me for sure. Um, because I understand that without tribe, I'll never have my best days again. So I've got to build a tribe. Mm-hmm. I, you've got to build a tribe, and it's hard for men because we're meant, unlike women, men are hardwired that their tribe is their tribe for life, more so than women are. And th- here's the reason why. Well, you women, know, I mean, you, you see it play out. I mean, like, this nitpicking, you know, talking shit about each other behind each other's backs and when it comes to surface, I mean, that's a very female thing to do. Yeah, like, well, that's I feel because like, they're not – And I feel the like – The reason women are that way is because they're not as confrontational and as we are. And, I, and if I felt like – if I had a problem with you, I would either text or call you, and then, like, I would want to meet with you in person. Right, that would be a, that would be a more us, – and then us fighting eventually would be the most masculine way to handle that. But, that's, but that is the fundamental difference between men and women because women are less – personally aggressive because they have to be more communal they have to live together whereas me and you kind of have the understanding that we can we can escalate this to physical violence if necessary and one of us can stop being alive or can bow down we can based on we can come to a term uh women didn't handle things that way The, the other thing was men were born to die men in civilizations their purpose was death um if our tribe got invaded by another tribe. I died defending it. 
That's right. If it happened, the women joined a new tribe. The women weren't killed. The women were now the wives of the the new that's, the new tribe. That's part of the plunder. And that creates a different way of interacting with the world. That creates different mental health issues because men, my tribe still feels like the friends that I had when I was 18. That's my tribe. Mm-hmm. I don't I have one of those people and then Tyler that I still speak to. And so making new tribe members like you or Mo or Wes or, you know, whatever. For men, that's a very difficult thing to do. Men don't do as good at that. That's why men, as they get older, they just have fewer and fewer friends, and they become more and more miserable because men aren't as good at making new, becoming part of a new tribe. Women, on the other hand, typically when a man dies, women move on quicker. They do. They, they're not necessarily going to die with him. They, um, in a breakup, typically women move on quicker. Um, after divorces or whatever, and women are better at making friends later in life. You see women with new best friends very late in life. A man, you're going to have one or maybe two best friends your whole life, and that's it. That's your one or two. And you're going to be down at Jack's or Hardy's talking it over a coffee and a sausage biscuit. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, you maintain that tribalism with people that 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 age. I do not believe the men of our generation are going to do that. I don't think so either. I think that that is a I think that that is going to be a forgotten trend with my parents' generation. And I don't my like my parents. My dad's not going to do it. I don't think. My grandfathers did it. My grand one of my grandfathers did one didn't. But that I believe is going to because we're becoming less tribal as we as generations go on, and men are becoming less more miserable as generations go on because we're being removed or we're being emasculated or we're being removed from our tribe. And men do not uh, like that. And one of the main things that creates that removal from tribe is marriage. Because they get married, they have kids. Well, for one thing, they can't go out as much. But it does create issues. If your friends aren't married and they're wanting to hang out and do single guy things, and, you know, you just want to hunt with the boys. You want to go out hunting with the boys. And maybe that was girls. Maybe that was actual hunting. Maybe that was whatever, competing. But you want to go hunt with the guys. And... That's how men are wired. And so they come home, and this is what happens. This is what happens to the majority of men, or a lot of men. The, the Men make up about 80% of suicide, I believe, and the majority of them are white men who recently went through a divorce. So what happens with a lot of men, they give up that alpha status by, by leaving their friends behind. They go home. They pair bond. They make children. The children get older. Mm-hmm. The man becomes then the provider, He's no lo- he, which, is a, which is a beta role. He becomes the protector again. A beta role, like it's it's. Uh, I, I it's see a, like alpha protector. Yeah, alpha, but alphas protect the whole tribe, and then betas protect the nuclear family. Like oh like, okay, like yeah, like like that. an alpha is the go getter. Like the alpha is kind of over. You know, alphas typically don't have to pick one wife. Okay, yeah. alpha alphas have harems. Alphas are, and 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 that's what I mean when I say the dangers of teaching a lot of these betas to become alphas. Because in olden times, they, if they were an alpha, they had a harem. But in new times, if they're an alpha and can sleep with a lot of women, they just sleep with a lot of women, make a bunch of babies, and don't pay for them. Okay. Um, let me let me pose this question. Is uh, okay. Let's say this this is a dream for I think a lot of guys, maybe in this area, I, th- I think maybe nationwide, uh, as uh, violence ramps up in cities and it gets uh, a lot harder and harder to protect your nuclear family or tribe within the city 
and I, I've heard a lot of spicy takes on this. I'd, I'd be very interested to hear what you think. A lot of people are saying, I want to get a house and some land, get outside the city to where uh, I can, that is my protection. I'm putting up the woods between me and the craziness. Yeah. But my argument is if you flee the city, that is fleeing civilization, and you are taking yourself and your influence away from that change. Although, do I want to be around uh, shootings or just the random bullshit that happens? Yeah, I don't in know that I agree city? with you there. I don't. I mean, by moving out of the city, I take away my influence. Like maybe for in that particular city, but I mean, we still have the right to vote. You still have the right to create yeah. content. You still have the right to, to a Facebook page. I mean, how are we really communicating influence? In this country, social media, which can be done anywhere. I think you can probably create influence in a cave if you have a Wi-Fi connection and, a, okay. and an outlet. So um, I, I guess, I I guess, I guess what, so. I'm, what I'm meaning by like influence is it's, it's kind of like the concept of like the man downtown. He's out being seen and he's kind of he's kind of making shit happen for himself. Now, that's not really a thing that someone who is married with children would do. So I, I do understand like, you know, okay – we used to be living downtown, but now we're, we, we're getting this house out in New Hope, right? Yeah. Kind of getting away yeah, from Yeah, I mean, it's happened several times. This has happened a lot. Like, like entire civilizations flee areas yeah. and go, like, like the, the great flight of uh, when all the black people in the south moved to Detroit and up north for, for, uh, for um, you know, factory positions yeah. that eventually were taken away, uh, yeah. which is, you know, another, another topic. But... Also, when you'll see areas get worse, people move to the suburbs. It happens. It happens everywhere. It's a very normal thing. Um, I think that fewer of them. I think suburbs are where people are going to move, though. I don't think people are going to move to. I don't. I don't think people are going to move and isolate themselves in the woods to get away from it. I think they'll move to suburban areas that are like you're seeing. Like you go to Memphis, man. Memphis is a shithole. The town of Memphis it, is an absolute, and the only place worse than that I, is I, Jackson. I, Jackson's nothing but a shithole. But then everybody's like, "Oh yeah, but we did got you, Brandon." Did you see what De, Did you see what Deion Sanders said? Like first press conference at Boulder, Colorado, when he took the head position coach of coaching at Colorado. Uh huh. It was so nice to wake up and not hear gunshots. He was at Jackson State before. That's right. Yeah, he was in Jacktown. And yeah, so, like Jackson State, is that here, Mississippi? Is that yeah, that's in Jackson. Okay. And, like, during his stay in Jackson, his car was broken into, yeah. I think, four or five and times. And after that game, he was at that game, he went in there after they won, and they had stole all his money and jewelry and everything out of his office. Mm -hmm. and yeah, Jackson's a shithole, man. I, and then everybody's I, like, oh, well, you know, we got, we we got, got Brandon, Brandon Flowood, Pearl. Uh, you know, um, what's, the, what's the other nice ones? Uh, Madison and, and uh, uh Anyway, all yeah. those nice areas, and it's like, yeah, that's not Jackson. Yeah, and that's what they did. All the all the nice people with money, you left. know, uh, left and left, and now it's like the Walking Dead in Jackson. Like it's nobody there. We you yeah. ride around, it's a ghost town in downtown Jackson. Literally, that no one's on the sidewalks, nobody's anywhere. You've got these big buildings that, honestly, from afar, kind of just seem empty. It looks like something out of like a North Korean propaganda like video or something where they're proving that like hey look these cities are not real nobody's here that's what jackson looks like to me i won't play there of like when i'm booking shows out for the year i like playing all over mississippi alabama but there there are specific cities that i will not book because yeah. when i get done playing a show at one two or three in the morning dude i've i park behind the bar load in load out 
it's not uncommon for someone to meet you out there with a knife while you're trying to load your shit up and get out of town. Really? And, like, I have heard several stories about Memphis and R. Jackson to yep. where that was the case for them. You just made $300 playing the bill. There's a knife. Yeah, I, I would uh, I, I, I would steer clear myself, probably. I just, I mean, you know, and, I go and, there for and, tournaments and, and, and stuff. And at what and point, you know, is it worth it, you know? Yeah, I, I go over there for tournaments about once or twice a year or, or fights here and there. Everyone, not a lot of fights in Jackson normally, not in a long time. There used to be. I fought there a long time. Actually, one of the biggest crowds I ever fought in front of was in Jackson, um, about 2,000 people plus. Um, so if you ever wondered if I was a big name or not, one of the biggest crowds I fought in front of was like 2,000 people. Um, so, no, I wasn't. Uh, but they uh, – it's just not somewhere I want to go. I'll be honest with you. I've kind of got that way about a lot of towns. Uh, New Orleans, Yeah, I don't know if I've ever cared to go back. I mean, maybe one or two more times. I could go back now and visit for like a couple of days, but I've been there so many times. It's been – I've had a lot of – I've had good experiences there. I have had a lot of fun in that town. I've also had some really bad experiences and, and not had a lot of fun. And, you know, that, that's one of those towns. Um, Atlanta ruined itself for me when I got my luggage stolen. About to get on an airplane to San Francisco and got all my luggage stolen. Um, but I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I think, I think crime's always going to be a thing. I think, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know what the future holds for us as a country unless we, kind of do something and take some control. I think that there's probably going to be um, some really – probably some really tough times ahead. I don't know, though. I don't I don't pretend to have a magic eight ball. This will be a smack bag, but, like, uh, I believe the possible cure for that uh, is being a First and Second Amendment absolutist. But my issue with – my only issue with the Second Amendment is – I do not think an armed, polite society, I believe that everyone needs to be under one worldview. Like, if if we're to have the Second Amendment, I think everyone needs to operate under a Christian worldview. Or yeah, that's, that's, So, basically, I, I disagree with you on that. Um, Cause I, I, that I, I don't think, like, an atheistic or an I mean, a, how agnostic the, How in the view, world would you, would you make an entire civilization follow a same worldview? You couldn't. And so, I mean, that, that, that's kind of like the argument against myself is like, I mean, should more, I, gun, I, gun control doesn't work because criminals don't obey the law right, anyway. But, but, but no, no amount of Christian worldview pull, pushed on the world is going to take the people that are committing these crimes. And I mean, th- it doesn't matter what worldview we're pushing. There's always going to be criminals. There's always going to be bad people. They always, there always has been. I mean, I know... We like to we like to reminisce about the good old days when things were safer, but statistically per capita, we're not in that much more danger than we were back then. I mean, okay. our our murder we in the last ten years years we've seen our murder rates drop down to what they were in the like post prohibition pre prohibition days, which were way higher. I mean, you're talking about per one hundred thousand during prohibition, you were ten out of every hundred thousand people were murdered. We have not seen the we didn't see numbers that high even during the height of, like, the drug war yeah. in the 90s. I mean, and which is the only we, – we've proven that prohibition is the number one contributor to murder rates mm-hmm. more than guns are. Prohibition is the number one thing. The more the government tries to limit our access to mind-altering substances, the more murder and the more I'd, there's a black market. I'd, I'd make that same argument with, like, guns, right? What do you mean, though? Like, 
the more the, they, the more the, you try the, to regulate them. Yeah, because like, where's your mass shootings happening in gun-free zones? Yeah, I mean that, that there is definitely the only the only way that you could potentially ever have a gun-free area that that would work would be if you could somehow eliminate all guns pretty much anywhere. Not gonna happen. Either. And that'd be that would be a tall order. You'd have to. Like for instance, like no amount, like there's always going to be guns in Canada because there's guns in America. There's always going to be guns, and and so that that's a really hard thing to to mandate. I'm I'm personally, uh, I'm a Second Amendment absolutist. I think that, and this is, this is what I've really come to terms with in a political discussion over the past few years is that there absolutely is not a right answer to any question. There is not, there are better answers and there are worse answers, but there is no, there's never, there is no perfect world around the corner. The libertarians aren't going to take over the United States government and fix yeah. everything. The, 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 the liberals are not going to fix everything. I don't care if Donald Trump gets elected. He's not going to fix everything. Oh, there's no one on the planet. There's no system that will not be corrupted. There is no, um, there is no perfect outcome. There is nothing that's ever going to happen that's going to bring utopia to this planet. And we need to quit acting like there is. If you become too idealistic and you want to, like, like if you were to say something like, like for instance, communism works if you were to take that approach and say, oh, well, I think the only way that this works is if communism works is if we have a, a land of abundance where everybody shares the worldview of communism. Well, yeah, in that world, then communism would work. So you're putting the same constraints on gun control that you're putting on communism. Because communism works in that world where, yeah. every, where, where nobody's out just looking for themselves. Yeah. Nobody's going to rise to the top and steal all the money. Nobody's going to redistribute the money but keep some for themselves and slide it to their buddies in the mafia to get shit done. Like, that's the real world. That's why communism doesn't work because it just – it does the same thing that absolute capitalism does is the people hoard all the money at the top. And it's the people in the government as opposed to the people in the private sector. That's the only difference. I think, like, uh, just to go back to, like, this feminine masculine thing just for a second, I think it started, like, 1920s with FDR. They had the, he pitched the idea of the Great Society, mm -hmm. which I think was the first stretch toward uh, government being the daddy in the home. Yeah, well, he, he initiated the New Deal. And the, the, the New our, Deal. Yeah, our first, as we... As we got into it, but was then Reagan pushed this war on drugs, which further took fathers from the home. Yeah, especially in minority communities. Yes. Yeah, especially in minority communities. And um, so, like, and I think that that is the answer. Like, and like that would be a good incentive. Like, if instead of incentivizing things such as uh, child support and incentivizing these divorces, and if you ain't happy, go get your happiness. Mm -hmm. It's like let's incentivize. Uh, people staying together and making it. Well, men are incentivized to stay together, though. Women are not. Right. Women are incentivized. That's why, and that's the other argument, because a lot of people would say, myself included, that one of the reasons why women divorce people at such a high rate is because men are very beta, and they just fall out of love with them, because a woman's not going to stay with you forever. She's going to get very bored if you're a beta. Like, women get bored. They do. Like, if you're boring, they're, they're going to get bored. And um, the, other, the, other, the flip side of that is women kind of have nothing to lose and everything to gain through divorce, and men kind of have everything to lose and nothing to gain through divorce. Like, I'm guaranteed if I'm the breadwinner, I'm going to lose half my stuff. I'm going to lose a yeah. pretty good chunk of my, of my paycheck every week. She's going to start banging somebody else. They're going to move into the house with my children. You can, you can say stepdaddy all you want. Here's the deal, okay? In a house where the man is not present and another man is, that other man is 
with them 90% of the time. You get them every other weekend. You get them a couple weeks in the summer. Yeah, your daddy. Yeah, they look up to you. The simple fact of the matter is that man is there more than you are. There, He is in their life more than you are, and he is filling a role that should be yours. Stepmothers are not a thing. That's just a woman who lives with their dad that they see every other weekend and a couple weeks during the summer. That's not the same thing as a stepfather who's there every day. That's right. And so the the divorce is very one-sided. Now, I don't know what the answer is to that, but the, but the women, on the other hand, however, are more incentivized. You know, it's, it's, it's a way less, it's way less traumatic. It's harder to get remarried probably because now you got to find a guy who's willing to live with a woman with children. It does drop down her sexual market value to leave a marriage with, with multiple children and, and try to remarry where it doesn't drop the man's sexual market value as much. So women definitely carry the brunt of, um, and, but it'll affect men because of the, the now lack of income depending on how much money he makes. If he was if he was just kind of barely middle class before, now this is going to drop him to below the poverty line and it's going to make him much less desired, desirable to the opposite sex. Yeah, he's got to rise above that yeah. first. So he's he's going to have some he's going to have some hurdles there. But when so I, and, but how do you how would you incentivize families staying together? I don't like without seeming like you're just trying to give white people money. You know what I mean? Like that's that, how the world yeah, is going to perceive that. That is, they're going to perceive it as like, oh, okay, you're just trying to give the people that already have money more money. Like, well, like we don't have a father in the home. Why are you like? So you're going to punish us? You're not going to pay us because we're struggling? You know? So like people, and while I don't disagree with the sentiment behind it, yeah, you know, but it's just not really a reality. It's I think that I think that you would be painted as a racist. Or a sexist, if you were to try to, um, and the left would try to paint it, and it you, they would be correct, but it, the left would paint it uh, as an attempt to um, continue the patriarchy. That would be the that would be the on top of calling uh, you racist. Yeah, sexist. so you'd be a racist misogynist. Yeah, on top of being a racist, you know. So, yeah. um, I, and that's one of the reasons why that that kind of stuff it'd be very difficult to pull that off. Uh, you need to be. You have to be really careful, and that's something I try to, you know, I even try to think of is, you know, like you're going to, especially as a southern white guy, if you tried to, like, pitch that, you would be, you'd be, you'd be ostracized from society, even if it's done with the best of intentions. Yeah. And that's, that's something, and that's, I believe that the, I believe that the U.S. government has done a lot of things with, um, I don't, uh, questionable intentions, or maybe good intentions, but just had disastrous outcomes. Um, but a lot of times things that sound like they have good intentions with disastrous outcomes, the b- things that sound like they have the best of intentions have the worst outcomes a lot of the time. So when you say something like, oh, well, we're going to, we're going to give huge tax breaks and uh, financial benefits to single mothers. That seems like from a societal standpoint to be a really good thing. But then when you do it, you just really ramp up the amount of single mothers, which ramps up the poverty rate yeah. on the long term. It changes the the value of society. And one of the things that's happened that has changed the way women treat men, which is having a profound effect on, I think, relationships, is the way women treat men. Because women don't treat us like alphas anymore. They no, treat they us like either garbage or a roommate. So women women tend to be more toxic with their with their significant other. And there's this really big part of like feminine empower, empowerment, which seems 
almost just sort of a little bit just aggressive to men. Like, we don't need you. Could you imagine if men came up with the mantra of, we don't need you to women? Like, man, yeah, fuck a woman. We don't need her. We don't need women. We don't need, we don't need men, right? And that's preached to girls very young. You don't need a man. You don't need a man. And here's the thing. Maybe they don't need a man. Well, I mean, it, it is getting to a point to where they, they are making sufficient enough money to where they technically don't. Awesome. So what that's done, I'm not saying that I'm and not I, saying that society's that, right or wrong for this. I don't think it's I don't think it's right or wrong either. But like when you are telling these little girls to focus, go to college, focus on your career, you can you can uh, put off getting married into your mid late thirties. Yeah. The difference between a man and a woman in this regard, a woman is a ticking time bomb when it comes to being able to bear offspring. No, well, not that, only bear that, off, offspring. That, that biological clock is ticking, yeah, brother. Mar- Mark Romano, would, would, he really missed out today because this is another one of his things he really dives into. Um, it's, it's actually a little bit deeper than that. And the question you have to ask yourself is, does evolutionary psychology really affect genders specifically based on the way things have always been done? If so, then we're kind of marching toward infinite unhappiness. And you see it with women. And it's one of the reasons that you see women become unhappy and, and uh, later in life and women's uh, mental health issues that they're having today, arguably this is the point. The other thing about it is, is as a woman, as you increase your value to the society, you believe that that increases your sexual market value. It does not. And it does not. It's See, it's, men, if we go out less in society, attractive. right, when men go out in society and we become super, super successful, overall we become more attractive. But see, men don't have the biological need to marry up in their um, with their spouse. So a 45-year-old man, for instance, will be more attracted to sexually and someone in their 20s. oftentimes end up with someone in their 20s well, I mean, or up to their early 30s. You see that play out. I, I work in a college town, so I see it. Will, this young lady who's uh, going to school, uh, does she want to be on the yacht with this late thirties, early forties, or does she right. want to hang out with this broke college right. guy? Her age, out with this guy. Yeah, she's she's gonna go with the right. Other well, if guy. she's smart, she's gonna go with the other guy. Yeah, and let's not pretend that she's not being smart. So, so, but what? What? Here's what ends up happening. So these women get into their late thirties and they're like, okay, well now I'm ready to settle down, but I'm making six figures. So I need a man that's gonna make at least six figures, and then he needs to match me intellectually, and then he also needs to be good looking and alpha. Here's the thing, honey. That guy you just described, he, he ain't exist. looking for you. Yeah. He may exist, but he ain't looking for you. Yeah. He's going to go with the 22-year-old because that guy's a player. That guy is that guy's getting girls. He doesn't need you. He doesn't want a girl that makes six figures. That's not attractive to him. You know what's attractive to him? The 22-year-old you used to be with the round booty and that's dumb that he can show the world to. That's right. And so... We try to villainize men who date younger women, and we try to villainize women who date older men. One's a gold digger. One's robbing the cradle. We try to make that, – that's why society needs – has the need to ostracize those people. Where is my sugar mama? So, right, but I, do you want one really? No, I don't. I don't either. Like, I, like, I would not like that. that that's would, why it's, it's almost funny just to say that. That term doesn't even make sense. It, it, well, it happens sometimes, it, yeah. but it's a minority because women don't typically want to be that very often. And men, yeah. and what you see with these sugar daddies, too, is they'll fall in love with these girls. Oh, yeah. They're in love. Like, they, they have feelings for these women. 
Um, the women might be just kind of taking advantage of them, but they're in love. And sometimes the woman falls in love too. I'm not going to sit here and act like a woman in her 20s or 30s can't be in love with a man in his 50s or 60s and that she's just a gold digger, that she's not actually in love with him. That's not how she's wired. She might actually be in love with him. It's the other reason why I hate the gold digger pranks on YouTube. I've talked about this on here before. Oh, my God. Dude. They, they drive me crazy. Giving, you, you went from her having no information about you at all hitting on you, which probably happens quite a lot, that she's trying to be nice and say she has a boyfriend so she doesn't hurt your feelings. Then she probably may not have a boyfriend, or maybe she does. I don't know. But then you're giving her information about yourself. You get into a nice car. So you went from a somebody, just some Joe Schmo that looks like a normal guy walking up off the street. Now you're a Joe Schmo with Hopping a Lambo. A Ferrari. You want, you're not the same guy to her anymore. And I don't. And I'm tired of society telling me that that makes her a bad person. It does not make her a bad person. She has a biological innate proclivity to find that more attractive. Yeah, those videos really do drive me crazy, man, because, like, you know, immediately after he busts her for that, he's like, you're trash here, take this fake money or whatever right. else. I'm like... Just garbage to treat women that way. Yeah. That's a garbage way to treat a woman. And I think that right I, there... Because we a, all know how shit works, man. Right. Stop trying to beg the world to be what you want it to be and accept it for what it is. Oh, yeah, you had it right with his song Gold Digger. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, there is truth to that, but yeah. that is not anything that is going to change. You know, I, I'm actually, like, I'm kind of on the other side there. I, there is going to be gold diggers, but I believe if, if as a society we kind of took the label off of it, you'd see a lot more girls dating guys significantly older than them. I mean, think about the line, though. I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke fella. Right, you know? right. So, I mean, that is truth. I mean, yeah. that, that is that low-value shit. If she's a high-value female, then she can get a guy that's not broke. That's just the way that it is. And that's just, why that's ask just, her to? That's just people getting mad about, like, so, just reality, right? So women get older. Their sexual mar market value decreases. They they enter the, the marriage realm with an expectation of her sexual market value being similar to the, what it was in her 20s. And now it isn't, so she can't <coughs> lock down the man that she really wants. She ends mm -hmm. up settling... And this will happen even in women in their 20s and 30s. They end up settling for the guy they didn't, you know, because the guy that they dated in their like, late teens, early 20s, that's the guy they really wanted. But, oh, you know, I can't lock him down. Or, you know, he's a player because the stigma around that. And uh, you end up going, or he hurts you. That's what happens a lot of time. Those guys hurt you. And then you end up going with the safe guy that doesn't give you that same. And I, here's the thing. From a feminine worldview, I don't know what the answer there is. I don't know what the answer is. Um, the only answer that would solve that for women would be if men solved it. Because the only people that can make men the women themselves the version that women are really desiring, it takes a lot of self-improvement. Because let's be honest, most men, I'm going to say 90% of men who are beta and are monogamous, if they didn't really have to be, I don't think that they would be. The majority of men that I know that, are all the time proudly proclaiming how often they don't cheat. Um, and I'm not saying that good men ch cheat. That's not what I'm saying, or attractive men cheat. I'm just saying that as options increase, I'm not saying that men are only as loyal as their options. What I am saying is a lot of the times they are. Not all of them. The only way that you wouldn't be is if you upgraded to be the person who has lots of options but doesn't take them. But that takes 
a lot of evolution as a human. That takes a lot of brain power or, or mental energy. That takes a lot of, like, gusto and grit. That takes a lot of, like, like that's going to that's gonna be, a, like, could you imagine Ashton Kutcher being Ashton Kutcher? Could you imagine being Tiger Woods where you walk off the golf course and women, everybody's talking about he's a sex okay, addict. Okay. Yeah. Who would? All, most dudes are. Yeah. It's just if the, they could be. Right. Bill Burr has a hilarious joke about that. He said, um, you know, the dude down working at Home Depot wants just as much snatch as what Tiger Woods is getting. Hoes just don't give a fuck about lumber. That's just it. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's yeah. it. When that whole debacle with Tiger Woods come out, dude, I wasn't mad at the guy so, at all. So what's the answer for women then? Because they're in this, this place where you can go with the safe guy that's the beta that's going to possibly be the better father who's going to do all these things for you, but he is uh, going to be boring, and you're – probably not going to want to have sex with him after a while and you know or you can go with this other guy who isn't faithful and you know maybe you really really like him and really want him but maybe he's not faithful maybe he's uh you know a jerk or maybe whatever but, but that's the guy that you really want he doesn't treat you well which tends to be the case he's at least unfaithful um what's the answer for women and I don't know that there is one I don't know that there is a is a direct answer cuz I don't, I don't think that most men are ever going to have the ability to live in a world where they have lots of options. I think, I think it's going to be a – I think that that takes a level of discipline. That takes a level – the kind of guy who's constantly trying to improve himself. That's the kind of guy who – and it's going to take him time to get there, I think. What about, like, the vice that we put ourselves in, whether it be man with pornography or a woman on Instagram? I think both are equally dangerous uh, in their own right. I believe that Instagram and social media accounts for women do you call can your be, significant other to the mat on that? Do you you got to hold them accountable, right? I think that you need to have a um, and when I talk about uh, when I talk about social media for women, what I don't mean I don't necessarily mean uh, like taking in social media. I mean like posting like slutty pictures on Instagram, bikini yeah. pictures with their yeah. butt out, whatever. I think that whatever the expectation is for that relationship needs to be set out from the, in the forefront. And I think that it needs to be upheld from both sides. So um, I think that it's bad for men to consume lots of pornography. I think that that is it's bad for your brain. It's pretty much it's scientifically been proven. Scientifically, yeah. It like, is scientifically been proven. This is not a moral thing that I'm trying to stand on. I'm trying to say that scientifically, yeah, this, yeah. it's bad for the dopamine receptors in your yeah. brain for you to constantly it take is, in pornography. It's probably not good for your relationship either. It's a, it's literally brain rot. Yeah, it's right. definitely not good for your relationship Very because similar. like you're, because like you're the, you're you're chasing after this this dopamine fantasy. Release. Yeah, dopamine release that that you can't. And then like even your sexual drive like. Yeah. Uh, what it takes to get you off. I think that's why we're in such a weird place with our sexuality in this country because we're so obsessed with pornography. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you see the. It's just the, so readily available. There, there are really weird fetishes. Yeah, I mean, if there's you can think of it. There's a fetish. About yeah. It. Um, for sure, I think that that's a. That's and a and, and I think that's that's the that's the that's the wormhole and that th pornography opens up. I, I mean, not, like after you get over this, like okay, man and woman, like next thing you know, you're. You're moving on to like, well, that don't really get me off anymore. Like, where where do I go next to get that release? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you remember when you were fourteen? If you saw a side boob in a Walmart like bra catalog, you were uh, it was done, <sighs> done. You yeah. know. I mean, you d and back then you didn't even need like uh, 
Playboy, Sports Illustrated would have right. been enough. Yeah, like I said, like a or like a yeah, like a side, Walmart yeah, side, yeah, 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 like a like a like a like a bra catalog. Yeah, you know, when you're a kid. Yeah. Um, I think that social media does has a very similar effect to women's brains because it it is a, it's an ability for her to get an untold of amount of attention. The amount of attention that a woman can get from posting a if she's attractive, especially, but even if she's not, by posting a bikini picture with her butt cheeks hanging out where she's looking all sexy the amount of attention that a woman can get from that is unheard of a man can't un can't really understand if men could do the same thing and post pictures of themselves and get the kind of dms and comments they would do it we would do it just for the dms but women strive for attention and they can get unlimited amounts of it by selling their sexuality online and a one man is not typically going to be able to keep up with all the things you're going to be able to hear by post when you post that stuff online. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a man and you're not worried about that, I don't, and and you trust your woman completely, I don't necessarily think that pornography or that alone might be enough to completely ruin your relationship. But I think that it's something you need to be thinking about. And like for me personally, if my wife wanted to do that, I would not be okay with that. You know, and I don't, I don't attack that from the point of the, that, like, I'm in charge of her or I own her. This is just my standards for being in a relationship with me is you can't have OnlyFans. Uh, I can be friends with someone who does. That's fine. But, like, and if I were single, I'm not saying that, you know, I would judge you or not go on a date with you or whatever. But for me, I would not probably marry a woman who has ever had an OnlyFans, um, even if she was the only person on it. Um, had done any type of p- pornography and currently posted pictures like that. I mean, I have a friend. I mean, she she has an OnlyFans. She, I've had a few, and, yeah. And, and she and she does really well with it. Of course, because she what she's doing is sidestepping um the the beta side of the relationship herself. And and, and that is and that is all that she would ever be. It's, she is a very attractive woman, but like right when she started doing that, would I ever date her or be intimate with her? And no. Right, exactly. Like, that's it, canceled. It kind of But I, that. Ca- I can be friends, and I can respect and it. I'm not, and I'm and not like, judging you. No. I'm only talking about it from a market value standpoint yeah. of, like, who I would like, want to be with and who I'd want to raise my children with. Market value is gone. Right. Like, you you have now, you're leveraging your sexuality because like back to what for we money about the same way that you would by date, by marrying a man and settling down. Yeah. That's the same thing. You're just limiting it, the sexuality to that one man and how much he's willing to give you for that to be the only person you give it to. OnlyFans is that on its head. If everybody will give me a lot, I'll give every. If everybody will give me a little, mm-hmm. I'll give you a little bit of my sexuality that I sh- would be giving to my partner, yeah. who would be paying me for it. Now you guys are all paying me for it. Now so that, from an amoral standpoint, I get it. That is like I will put some respect on like the hajib and like what the, you know women in Islamic cultures. Like yeah, but it's too far at that point. That it's way too far. It's but that that modesty and humility, right? Like, and and they, they don't show themselves. This is the like, reason why Western culture is never going to get behind that is because it's it only talks about why it's bad to do it for men. That's it. Yeah. That's the problem with it. The problem is, and that's the problem with a lot of things that people look at as misogynists or or whatever. It's like when you have guys like me, I'm not out for just men, and that's why. But, Let's, like, why I get it is because if that is my wife, I am the only one that should get full-on right. access and what, here's to the, that. Here's the thing is most of those women are usually really high value. That's why they're able to do it. They get to a certain point in their life where they're like, okay, now I'm ready to lock down another high-value mate. You think bad baby is uh, high value? She is 
Uh, so when you look at a woman, catch me outside. I know what you're saying. Uh, yes, I do, and I'm going to tell you why. Well, she's high value because, um, in an objective sense. Okay. So women, women's value comes from their ability to, um, have children, and like when I talk about sexual market value, ability to have children, and uh, like their sexual value. So bad baby is not someone who would hold the value up on the personal end. But when I'm talking about high value, I'm just talking about looks and ability to, to bear children. I'm not really talking about like value to society. I'm just talking sexual market value in the same way that like um, Hugh Hefner might not have been a high value mate, but he's definitely a high value man that a lot of women tried to be with okay. um, in some, some regard in the same way, bad baby, she's young she is clearly attractive to, to some people, while I'm not one of those people. Neither I, am I, I but I there is quite the audience out there because she just bought a $5 million home in Florida. Yeah, but how many, how, like, a lot of those men, I don't, and a lot of those men are so low value. The kind of men who really spend a lot of money on OnlyFans and following people like that are typically more low value men who kind of hate their life, and they would probably be with her. But a really high value man, super high value man, probably not as much, and... The other thing that you have to remember is while why, you're why ain't those guys getting their ass out there and going and getting their own piece of the pie, so to speak, rather than paying to see something? Because they've already tried and failed, probably. A lot of these so you guys, gotta, you got to get up and go right. again, and, brother. And that's 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 I I hundred percent agree with you, but that's um it's really common. A lot of those guys are probably already married. They're probably in very unhappy, sexless marriages. Oh, it's kind of sitting out in their truck and just... And, and they're like, man, I can't leave my wife because if I leave my wife, she's going to have the kids. She has all the leverage. I'm going to go broke. I'm not yeah. going to... like I'm. So the, a lot of men get to this age and this point in their life, they feel stuck. And so then they start going to uh, internet, like like chat rooms, talking to women online. It's like how, That's how Andrew Tate got you know, all his money, was he ran, you know, he had... Uh, cam girls and he ran had live chats and he you know kind of managed the chats for the girls I, d I didn't know where his money comes that's from. where he that's where he got all his money by the way that was a take that uh i was talking about with uh like when people say that they want to leave the city leave civilization for safety he was like he basically like that was his take he's like if you're saying that you're a pussy that, yeah. was, that was his take yeah he was like, I, I see where he's coming from but he also I mean, he makes his living from. I mean, I do it some too, yeah. but he makes his living from sound bites, and um, that's a that's a really sound. And I, I see what he's saying. I just disagree with him. I, I disagree with a lot of what he says. Yeah, you know, I'm, I don't dislike yeah. the guy as much as everybody else does. I don't necessarily because I see I yeah. see his masculine point of view that he's trying to get across. I think that I think that a lot of times though, when you don't look at it from the feminine, because society has to find balance. You know, monogamy is the is the first balance. Getting rid of polygamy was one of the first things we had to do to balance it because if the top 5% of men get 90% of the women or 80% of the women, there's a lot of men who don't get anything. A lot of the men who are very low value in the real world wouldn't have got anybody. That's why they're very happy and very like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 whatever you want, baby, whatever you want. You can run all over me. I'll be super beta and I'll, whatever you want. I'm just glad that I'm getting with anybody. I'm just glad that, oh, you're, you'll talk to me? Oh, wow, you're so beautiful and I'm so ugly. Thank God, you know, that somebody's willing. And then that girl leaves him eventually because he's really low value and, and you know, he, he talks bad about himself all the time. He's not improving. He's not in shape. He's, he's just kind of the guy that he's sort of the cannon fodder of society and that's a large number of men. 
That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of guys and guys that you know they they've only slept with a few people and you know two or three, maybe one, maybe you know like they they ha- don't have a lot of sexual partners because they can't. So when they do find a girl that's like willing to be monogamous with them, they're like, yeah, why would I not? Who cares if she makes me miserable? Who cares if she's mean to me? Who cares if she runs all over me and deep down is secretly in love. I mean, they don't say that. The woman might not say this, but is deep down secretly in love with the guy from high school that she couldn't lock down. I'm just happy that I got anybody. But if that same guy would man up a little bit and grow a pair, improve himself a little bit, go to the gym and work out, learn how to communicate with his wife and communicate with the opposite sex, learn how to, but do it in a controlled manner that doesn't make him immediately start cheating because uh, that's what most guys would do. Um, that's, then, a, that's the biggest problem I see, dude, like with like just – Dudes younger than me, like just early twenties, when I see them out interacting, like whether I'm playing a show and I'm just making observations about what's going on in the crowd, and I'm I'm seeing this guy just like really fuck it up with this girl. Yeah, and I was like, man, I ho- I hope you uh you battle back and come you overcome that. Yeah, but I was like, you got to get up, you got to get up and you got to get up and try again. You know, the thing about it is, is is no guy. I think some men are born uh, with the ability to speak to the opposite sex really well. Um, I wasn't I, one of them. I wasn't one of them. I, something that I, I do. Learned. I do believe if you okay. if you, if you grow up in a house with a sister, that that's a one up for you. Yeah, and I didn't. You're, I didn't either. But you're gonna you're gonna have like that exposure to her Good friends. Thinking and and yeah, I can see that. Um, I think that I think that it, all of us we have a duty to go out and fail with with opposite sex. That's my thing, dude. And I was like, whether uh, you know, I reach out sometimes and try to get. Pretty big guess. I, I I don't know how the little white thing went down with you. How you that was actually that down. surprisingly easy. Yeah, we that was a lot easy. of times it is. But we get rejected a lot. But it it, it is like I am okay with asking one hundred questions to a hundred different people, and ninety five percent of them being no. Right. At least I got and as a guy. That's kind of how you got to be. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get told no, and right. you you got to get over that, and you got to move on, man. Right. You got to you got to just send the messages. Yeah. yeah, that's what we do too. I have yeah. most of the messages I send them. Um, that's I, just and, I, and that's why I like I'll talk to you. I'll like have these guys online, but have trouble locking them down because I'm just I'm talking to so many people. Yeah. Um, that it's hard to lock a lot of them down. And I, same thing right now. Like since like everything is moving the way it was, like during the pandemic, it was easy because everybody was you know sitting on their thumbs, wouldn't do anything. The world yeah. wasn't moving. Now that the world is beginning to turn again, it's it's a lot harder to lock people down because they're they're back doing what they're doing. Right. I've got some cool guests coming down the road, but like how it's gonna happen. Don't know. Yeah, that's one of the things that's always scared me about making my model <coughs> around guests. Yeah, it's like you're you're always gonna kind of be subject, and a lot of your really big podcasts, almost all your really big podcasts, are sort of around that guest model, unless they have a personality that can carry it, like the Ovon. Yeah, um, and he has guests too, but it's, I don't think that's his whole model. He can do it alone. He can well, do I it mean, with like, his friends. He can. Just take the biggest podcast in the world, the Joe Rogan Experience, which was very much built around guests. It, very much, and it had that celebrity factor. Yeah. But even to that, if I don't know the person he's talking to, there is no chance I'm going to listen to it. There is yeah. no chance I'll even look at a clip. Really? I don't. I don't care about the I'll headline. Listen, I'll, I'll you might be like talking about something I'm really interested in, but if I'm not familiar with the person, I do not care. Really, I do. See, but, that's the problem. That's why guests are such a big deal mm-hmm. because. A lot of people only want to hear things from the people they're familiar with, yeah. and so that's how that's why getting a guest is such a big deal, is because yeah. it gets it their opens people, you up to a larger audience. Yeah, it gets their people's eyes on you, and that's the reason why yeah. I, I try to book guests is I'm just trying to get 
I'm trying to leverage our audience for them and our, their audience for me is essentially what I'm trying to do. And that's why I try to reach out to people that I feel like have similar, uh, have similar, um, like fan bases. I tell you this too, like this is a hack. I know this is a man up podcast. I know you've had, I, I think you've had Hannah on here a couple of times, but, uh, female, especially if she's really good looking, that will get the hits. Yeah. Some of my biggest episodes, it ain't with the most famous dudes I've ever had. It's just with some of the hottest girls. Yeah. Those are the episodes that. Even with you being all audio, not being video? Yeah. It's just dropping a picture of her on uh, my Instagram okay. and like, oh, dude, she sounds good. Yeah. Huh? Like, I want to hear that. Yeah. Sex sales. Yeah. That, women have a. W- and don't it, ever doubt it. It goes back to, it goes back to the old thing that, uh. Women have an inherent value. Like, their their appearance inherently gives them value. As a man, for your appearance to do anything similar to that, you'd have to be like a Channing Tatum. And even yeah. then, it doesn't have the same – it does not have the same effect. Like, being a good-looking man is not the same thing. Being a good-looking guy is like being an ugly girl. Yeah. That, being a good-looking guy is the same <laughs> as being an ugly Because dudes chick. don't care about dudes. No, and good dudes don't care about ugly chicks. Right. And so, like, really ugly But chick. everybody cares about a hot chick. Everybody cares about uh, – hot chicks are inherently even, valuable. Even, even, even ugly girls care about hot yeah. chicks. They, it, it's a fact. When attractive women have an advantage. Being an attractive woman is the same thing as being a rich and famous dude. Yes. Like, so in order there is, to – There is a, just as much utility in that. In order to meet the same criteria of value in a person's eyes as a man, I must become successful. I must become successful. I have to have money or I have to have uh, clout. If I don't have either, it doesn't matter how good looking I am. I don't carry the same weight in society. And I've seen, I've known good looking guys. I don't consider myself an ugly guy myself. I don't, I'm not like a, I'm not like good looking enough for it to give me any kind of advantage the way some guys are. But there's, there's even the guys who are a lot of times, if as a good looking guy, you'll find that it will hold you back in certain things like comedy, for instance. I think it's harder to be a good looking guy in comedy. That's why fat fuckers excel in com- yeah, comedy. Which also you but could they, argue but, that but fat the, people are funnier too because they had to be fat. That's just it. And all ugly dudes are funny too. And like they can, and that's the thing about comedy now where it's shifting. Like it's gonna eventually get to a point to where the only thing that it it is safe and effective to make fun of in this culture that we have. Is yourself. Yeah. And if you're fat, that shit will sell. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know about that. And the reason I don't know about that is because comedy is the one place where you really can't cancel these people if they don't let you cancel them. That is one thing that the the guys at the Daily Wire, specifically Matt Walsh, is finding that uh, Tate, Andrew Tate, is finding that. Yeah. When you bend the knee to cancellation, you are canceled. But as long right. as well, you comedy is as long as you say no, like Dave Chappelle, comedy you is know the built. transgender community came after him. Next yeah, thing right. you know, he's monologuing for SNL. Right. The the you cannot comedy is built around free speech. It's built around satirical um, observations of our society. That's why comedy it's, podcasts are my favorite because they are still like shining light. On like all the wrongs in our culture, which is yeah. the same thing as the court jester in a kingdom, yeah. to where like a king couldn't take the critique unless it was coming from an absolute clown. Otherwise, you right. get your head chopped well, off. Well, well, actually, you know that was in the in the society. From what I've read, that was actually one of the purposes of the jester. The jester, like a a king, could ha- he had the power to kill the jester. 
The point is, when the jester said something, you knew it was meant as a joke because he's a jester. Yeah. And a king that does not have the ability to take a joke is going to be very unpopular with his people. So the king, even if he didn't like what the jester had to say, it was very negative if the king said anything or did anything about it. Because if you can't take a joke from a comedian, you're an asshole. Yes. That is a fact. And that is true that was true of kings of old, and that is true of people today. If you're the kind of person, and here's the thing, a lot of conservatives aren't going to like this one. You guys did it first. Conservatives were censoring comedians because mm -hmm. they, said they said bad words. They cursed a lot. They said bad things about religion. And I get how you may not like that, but you, ha you cannot have it both ways. And a lot of people on the right right now, and I know that's a big proportion of my audience, a lot of you guys are really mad at the left because they're really easily offended. But I grew up in a Christian home in the 90s, and nobody got offended better than Christian homes in the 90s. Thanks. And so, um, I'm not, and I'm not saying that there's not a place in society to be offended. I'm just saying that it seems like a lot of people are really pro being offended when it's things that they care about, but get all up in arms when people get offended too quickly when it's not. And you're seeing the left now, who the left, who I feel tended to be, uh, and, and yes, there is the there's the argument that you know a lot of the censorship has always come from the left, um, from the legal side. But the but the but the well, they have they, side, they have a stronghold on all the cultural institutions. They they uh, they have education. They have entertainment. They have media, with the exception of maybe Fox or OAN. Yeah. There's a, there's there there's some Republican hold in the media. It's just it's more way. I mean, the majority. Well, I mean, think about Hollywood. The, yeah, the majority of all media think about is the left music center. Industry. Left center or extreme left. Yeah. The majority are left center, and then a big portion are extreme left. There's probably about as many extreme left as there are right center news outlets, and anything extreme right usually gets canceled pretty quickly. Yeah. Which here's the thing, though, I don't disagree with all that. I, when I say canceled, I don't I don't believe in like a lack of freedom of speech, but I don't necessarily agree with a lot of what the extreme right says. J just like I don't agree well, with what like a lot of the extreme Nick left Fuente, says. It's like Nick Fuentes, and since I've uh, last time we got together, we were kind of talking about him and Yay a little bit. I have gone on and listened to Nick a little bit. I am not for canceling his speech, but he is absolutely 100% an anti-Semite, and he is a white supremacist. Yeah. No doubt about it. Really? Really? I don't, but, I don't know much but, about him. But I do not think that his ideas should not be Allowed, in, no. in the town square. Yeah. I, I think it should be there, and people should see just how fucking nuts he is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he's – I don't think – it's a tough one, man. Because like if you cancel it, it's almost like when you canceled Alex you Jones. Power. No, it goes into the dark corners of the internet, yeah. and then well, like that's what they want it to and, do. And then it festers, and it, it kind of becomes a cult. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I I definitely see. I don't know what the I don't believe in government. And that's kind of the problem with the right and are the far right and the far left. Yeah, politics and their ideologies has become their religion. And you see that with the that's political true. figures. That's true everywhere. Yeah. That's true. And that's, and, true and that's, and that's their worship. Yeah. And that's why I believe, like, ha being, uh, having a God, and or like, like you said earlier, we're lagging, uh, having, of, uh, you want to call it the universe, but, but I believe having a God and knowing that there is a higher power and that you are going to be held accountable to that, I think that comes with uh, a bit of humility. 
and that will kind of that will kind of keep you from uh, getting into those uh, really bad situations. Yeah, the, here's my problem. Here's my problem, and I agree with you. I agree with you from a societal standpoint. I believe that there is a purpose for religion. Um, the problem has come, and this is where a lo- this is, in my opinion, one of the reasons we are where we are as a country is that when we start trying to force that religion through policy and through politics onto people, if we give the government the power to do that, then we will also give the government to force it back out or the ability for them to force new policies that are based on religion and belief systems. And that's what we're seeing because for a very long time, Christians have, and and I'm not saying even to a fault, because if there is a God and this is the way he wants us to live, maybe that, that's the right way to do it. I don't know. But this is what I see. Here's what I see. I see for hundreds of years, you had the Roman Catholic Church who influenced policy all the way up until now where we had the Prohibition era, which was very heavily influenced by the Christian church. We had um, the drug war heavily influenced by the Christian church. We had, we've had several pretty big blunders of the Christian church pushing policy to everyone. Mm-hmm. And now we live in a world where the U.S. government is no longer pushing Christian policy. It's pushing the, the policy opposite. of the left. It's pushing, pushing the— Go ahead. It's pushing a socialistic type policy. And when you push that socialistic type policy or when you when you push policies on based on religion, when the government flips the script and decides, okay, well, we're going to now push the policy of this other thing. You're like, well, that's not fair. That's not fair because I don't believe that. That's not fair because it's not my worldview or whatever. Well, it may not be fair, but it's the same thing that when you were the majority that you did. And so as a Christian libertarian with a very conservative, because I'm, you know, very conservative worldview, but still Christian libertarian, I think I see that, um, I think I see that argument a little bit better. And so that's the reason why when, you know, people talk about, like, separation of church and state, like, I kind of see what the founding fathers had and were kind of saying there. And you can say that it meant, you know, separation of, you know, state from the church but not church from the state and, and okay I can I can I can see what you're saying there too but I don't agree with you I don't uh, I think that when you give the federal government the power to really reign over anything in a moral standard I think that you're giving a very flawed system too much power I think that we should live under a law that as long as I'm not hurting anyone or anyone's property, and I'm not doing things that affects anyone in their property, then I think that that should be legal. And kind of going back to that, what we talked about, that Noah's law or Adam's law of, you know, don't kill, don't steal, avoid sexual immorality. Like, if you get... That's what I, that's what I meant by, like, with a society, I think that that worldview should be uh, the culture. Well, because I mean... Because if, if everyone agrees on that, then no one will be treading on the other. Now, that's not living in right. reality. It, it's not, yeah, especially on a country of 300 million people. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking about, if, when you're talking to 300 million people, you can't say anything without somebody getting mad, which is the problem with the <laughs> left. I mean, try getting in a room with, like, just 10 people, right? It, exactly. And that, this is the problem with the, the new left ideology of don't offend anyone. If it hurts anyone's feelings, we don't do it. And that, that it's, it's the very feminine worldview of feelings over facts, feelings uh, feelings can't be fiction. If you feel this way, then we have to respect it. But the problem with it is if you open that all the way up with 300 million people, literally we can't speak anymore. 
There's nothing that we can say that is in any way like has any substance to it at all that isn't going to offend somebody. So with uh, where we are in our political uh, culture right now, uh, Ben Shapiro tagged this, and I do not agree with, like, Ben on this, like, going to colleges and debating 18, 19-year-olds, and I think it is. I don't I see why he does it, though. I think, yeah, I see why he does it, but well, I don't. Well, he gets paid well for it. And, and, yeah, so, but, so, like, but so that's, me, that's not owning the left, and also, like, okay, his big saying, like, facts don't care about your feelings. Yeah. On the other side of the coin, their feelings don't care about your facts. Right. Um, I see what you're saying. So let me explain to you why colleges do that and why I do think it's a good idea um, to a certain degree. Um, and, and it's actually one of the reasons why I'm really glad colleges do allow that to happen because college academia is the – Well, it's supposed the, to teach you critical thinking and, and, and like discourse. To, to like, test your ideas. Right. Like if you, It's really easy to have an idea in an environment where everyone else has the same idea. Most people have no idea. Most people on the left or the right, either one, but it's really prevalent with young people on the left. They have no idea why they believe what they believe. They don't really have any substance behind it. They don't really have any real world experiences yet. And that should be exposed. Right. And so when you have somebody like a Ben Shapiro, not only is, is he accomplishing that, but he is also, and I don't agree with everything Ben Shapiro says. Me neither. I'm not the big, I'm, I don't hate the guy. Like, he, he makes very good, rational points sometimes. I like the way his brain works on some things, but I don't always agree with him. One thing about him is, though, is not only is he going from schools and challenging thinking, but he's also creating viral content while he does it because people like the discourse. They like the argument of seeing these left-wing students get owned uh, get get owned, or, or you know, kind of be exposed to and see them react super emotionally. They either shut down or get really emotional. Yeah, they get very angry and shut down or they, they get – because that's the, that is the basis of the argument. The basis of the argument is very emotional. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I'm going to argue that there is more than one gender – it's very difficult to do that in a logical space. It's very easy to do that in an emotional space because in an emotional space, anything goes. That's right. So if I'm in a deep... It's, it's feelings about facts. Right. I'm in a deep conversation with you. I'm like, okay, well, what right do I have to tell somebody that they're not what they want to be? Well, no right at all. You don't. That's a fact. You, 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 you have no reason to tell... Even, like if that dude over there wants to be the Pink Panther... It's really got nothing. Look, we've got an old lady here in Columbus that has been convinced she's Mother Goose for like 40 years. And no, she gets to ride in the Christmas parade. Facts. That is insanity to me. And she hasn't aged in 30 years. Also insanity. She's got to be drinking some kid's blood or something. Adrenochrome. But we have this. hell of a drink. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we have this elderly lady here. And then she gets to be Mrs. Claus when summertime comes or when Christmas time comes. That's even more infuriating. You get to be two characters. Most people don't even get to be one. That's crazy. You pick to be Mother Goose. You should have to be Mother Goose all year long. You don't get to switch and be Mrs. Claus in, some, in the Christmas time. That is a hell of a... But we've all come together because she's a rich, older, white woman that's got money. We've all come together, and she re- reads at the library and just decided to kind of like go with this lady's fantasy that she's Mother Goose. I won't let my kids sit in her lap because I don't know what kid's blood she's drinking and not have aged in 30 years. But that's neither here nor there. Very sweet lady. She's always been very nice. Very sweet lady. So I'm not trying to talk bad about her. The thing is, though, that we all kind of buy into that delusion. We all kind of, oh, it's Mother Goose. But uh, And that's the thing. As, as we carry this experiment on and the further we get out of touch, out of reality, I believe we're going to have to come to a point to where we're going to have to call people to the mat and be like, this is reality. This is the way yeah, things are. Yeah, but that's never going to go well. 
but dude, nobody's we, we, gonna respond well. We, to we, that. Can, we cannot keep. I, we I, cannot continue this pronoun. I think that you I do think that you what we shit. do. I, I mean, I agree, but I think that the only real answer is is for all of us to kind of be like, we'll be, we're gonna be nice to you. You know, we'll, I'm not. If there were a person to come into my gym tomorrow and be like, I want to be called they, like I'm not gonna be a dick. I'll call them they if they want me to be call call them they. Like I'm. I'd fuck it up half the time. I would too, and, and but not it'd be an accident. and it'd be not an intentionally. Right, it'd be an accident. Like I, because it, it is like you are kind of asking me to buy into delusion now into a delusion. Now my issue is when I come on the podcast and people you know want to like incriminate me or vilify me because when they're not around, I won't do it to entire groups of people. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to kind of pretend that there are 700 different genders because you decided there was, and sex and gender are these different concepts because we're able to cut our wieners off, and t- you know what I mean. Like it's cool. Like whatever you want to do is completely up to you. I'm 100 percent for that. I think you have every right to chop off whatever part of your body you want to chop off. I think you have every right to 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 do whatever. But then. You absolutely do. You also have to own the fact that the rest of us aren't all just going to be like, oh, yeah, well, that, even though it's not based in reality at all, is 100% acceptable. Like, we're not going to do it. Not not on a mass scale. I I, I think it's a tired point, but I want to make it, is the drugs that are are being prescribed to these children to transition, uh, not only are they on puberty blockers or given estrogen or testosterone, they give them Listerin which was used back in the 90s and early 2000s to castrate pedophiles. So they they are they are castrating themselves by transitioning I, it I, into okay, a different so sex. Okay, so I see I see the point. I see the point. I'm going to play devil's advocate for it though. Okay. Okay. Um the question becomes at what point in a child parental relationship does the government step in if the child doesn't view what's happening as wrong? And the parent doesn't view what's happening is wrong. The child says it's what they want. The parent says is what they want. Obviously, I believe um, That's, from my where does the from my libertarian step in? stance, the government has no right to that. Okay, so if that's the case, then while we may disagree on the fact that it's happening, if you believe the government doesn't have the right, to I step just in, think that it goes back to like what Mo and us were talking about, like before we got started, is. I just want people to be honest. Like when you watch a drug commercial, it's like, oh man, yeah, this uh, this will cure your sinus or whatever else. But then you like, oh, it's, go- it's going to cause liver damage, uh, kidney failure. Like, okay, does fixing my sinuses is that worth all my other organs being shit on? Essentially, but it's a, that's a low that's a low risk. And sin- but at least with, they're upfront about the potential I, of a problem, right? And I believe that one of the one of the issues is and. This is what the left would argue. The left would argue that there is there is significant um, research being done in these areas that we know that they're not going to have these problems, and there is con- contesting facts. And the reason why I don't agree with the left here is because I don't believe that the procedures and the hormones have been used on scale long enough for us to have enough data and research to really know. Exactly what it, that was my issue with COVID too. When they were like, "We're so sure that these things are going to work," or whatever. Yeah. It's like we don't really have enough data and research in past with past models to know what COVID's going to do. Like we, it's a, it's a new thing, and so and that's what we found was we found that we didn't know anything most and we were completely wrong about most of it. And but we didn't know what to believe, and that's where policies get tricky. 
That's where policies, and that's why COVID is such a hot topic, and that's why COVID's so tricky. That's why I hate Dr. Fauci. We didn't. He got AIDS wrong in the 90s and 80s. He was over that. He fucked that up. I don't know. Like, we were, we were, we little things when he came out and said this, that uh, AIDS is airborne, and you could get it by eating cereal with your uh, mother or father. And then he fucks COVID up this bad, and we're just going to let that son of a bitch walk? Yeah. I have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. I, but at the same time. There's a good documentary. It was put on by Michael Knows. It's called Fauci Unmasked. Uh, if you're a Daily Wire Plus member, you probably already saw it. But I would, I, would, I would encourage people just to watch Fauci Unmasked, just to expose how big of a piece gonna, of shit he really I'm is. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on the COVID part, though. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Hey. So there, what are the odds? What, is, what are the odds, though, when you talk about him being a piece of shit? There's a really good possibility that he is just repeating what somebody else is telling him. That is exactly what he's doing. And that's what but people like, do, though. But like, That's what we're all To doing. come out and be like the damn authority on the shit when you don't know no damn better than yeah. me or anybody else. But people, I think that the government and we, felt and, that we needed the, the part uh, somebody that, to look, look to. The part that I just, sucked. Like, I agree with you, but I'm playing do, devil's advocate yeah, here. Dr. McCullough. Uh, was banned off social media because he had a differing viewpoint on the mRNA. Matter of fact, he was the guy that invented mRNA uh, vaccines. And he came out and spoke out and said, I don't think this is a good idea for people to do. I don't, like, I'm the guy that invented it, and I don't think it's ready yet. And then <laughs> wiped off social media. Yeah, I don't agree with that for sure. I don't agree and with I was that. like, that viewpoint should be held in the same esteem as whatever Fauci or anyone else who believes the opposite. Yeah. And we should be able to have those to, two have debate and let the cream rise to the top. In a world though, well for one thing is we know we know that debate is not necessarily a catalyst for truth. Debate doesn't necessarily breed truth. There's been a lot of people win debates with okay. falsity. Char- charisma wins debates. <laughs> during during my studies at like Christian University and like was at seminary like apologetics was a big thing christian apologetics and so uh these christian apologists would book on like let's just say university of south alabama and they were going to talk to an atheist okay you're at a public college three quarters or seven eighths of the room is against you already right they are going to clap for whatever point he makes and even if you as a christian apologist make a really good point against atheism you're going to get it's booed. It's a popularity contest. It's a popularity contest, right. and, like, the room is already against you. You are not doing any good. It's not helping anybody, and it doesn't matter, and we shouldn't even, we shouldn't even conduct ourselves in that. Even so though that's the first point Peter of the 3, debate. When, you, when you're talking about the debate for COVID, that's sort of the downside. Like, it's really just going to come down to what the popular viewpoint is. Same reason why you're seeing more and more people come out now as being like super against the mandates is because now we have enough information to be like, yeah, we didn't need to do that. So now I'm against it. Yeah. So, but, but I'm hoping the mass population, and I think that's like, we're speaking truth to power here. And by uh, having this conversation and we're playing devil advocate on each other is your listeners. I'm sorry, but uh, your listeners. What are you saying? I'm sorry for. I was uh, wiping dandruff off my shirt. Uh, I thought, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I can tell. Uh, but uh, we need to continue this conversation so that we don't fall into the same mistake that we made two, three years ago. I 100% agree with that for sure. And so I want that to be but, on the forefront of people's minds because like, do not let them do that to us again. I agree with you completely. But again, and because I, I always play devil's advocate in the arguments in my head, what if the next one, <coughs> what if the next one is everything that COVID is supposed to be? It's climate. 
But what if what if it's not? What if, let's say there is some Vietnamese virus that breaks out that's like ninety two percent mortality rate. Like what do we what do we do then? That thing already exists. But what if it gets they out? They already lethalized. They took But let's say what they, do we do they, as a society they took, though? They took alpha COVID, which was deadly as shit. And like what COVID strain are we on now? I have no idea. Whatever that uh starts with an O. Anyway, they took those two strains, put them together, and they made it that number, like ninety five percent mortality rate. Like it it can kill and right. it's so very, let's say that, it's let's very say that transmissive. And that's what they're talking about with this Russia Ukraine. We're talking let's, about nuclear es- uh, escalation. No, like the future is not going to be. Let's like look at the point. Cannon fire. Let's look at the point here. The point is, though, we say we're very anti-lockdowns, shutdown. Right? What happens when that gets out? I don't know about the. I don't know about the strand you're talking about. But what is the political view to take? Is are we going to? Are we willing to keep our absolutism? Let's say when biological warfare or the warfare that you're talking about, where people are are releasing strands of sicknesses are we willing to keep this absolute no shutdown no mask policy that we have that the government should mandate it are we willing to keep it through that that's the question i'm gonna say yeah but like boy i think it would be just like other libertarian and conservative types libertarians only i think only if it's in my best interest yeah yeah, right. Well, that that one, I think that we'll all get on board with doing it once we realize it is in our best interest. But then from the political standpoint, was it necessary to do it? I think that if you were, could show people that this thing had, and the question is, like, if it, with a 90% mortality rate, what? Yeah, that would definitely warrant. I feel like I feel like that we're all just kinda kind of kind of, like with COVID. So when COVID <laughs> happened, I didn't have enough information. I shut my gym down before the government told me to. Like, I was already shut down. Mm-hmm. When the government shut us down, I'd been shut down a week, mm-hmm. um, which made me feel a little bit better about it, I think. I didn't feel like I was forced. Like, I did it of my own you fruition. Yeah. But I would have reopened earlier once I got more information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think would, ha- would have happened. I think if we were dealing with a sickness, I think that the free market would have taken its course. And I think we would have... Maybe more people would have died. Of course, they would have with a 90% mortality rate. But maybe more people would have gotten it and died than if the government had stepped in earlier. But I think when you're talking about those kind of numbers, people tend to just kind of use common sense. And if you're out there with a 90, 95% mortality rate sickness that is attacking everybody equally and is going to leave like lasting effects on you, I think that if you go out and try to live your life as normal, when that's going on, that's just natural selection taking its course. Yeah. You know? So... And it's unfortunate, but the people who really make the world turn as far as, like, our uh, 18-wheel drivers or our people who work at the grocery stores or fast food or the things that we need to carry on the society as we know it, those would be the first people to come in contact with it just because of all the people that they see. Right. Yeah. And, like... And there's no way to really stop that. There's either. no way to stop that, but, like, like they're gonna I, to I don't think that we can ever afford to shut the economy down like we, we can't. did. We can't. And we're, we're seeing gonna, that. We're not done with the, the effects of We're not of done that. for a long time, for sure, for sure. And well, I, th- I, I think your kids, my kids, like, they're going to feel this. Absolutely, they will. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's end it right here, man. Yeah. We are almost two hours in. We're Woo. an hour and 46 minutes into this episode, and this is already going to be a really large upload for us going on to the YouTube channel. Um, Would have been better for this one to be the live one, actually. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you made it all the way to the end, uh Go ahead and drop a comment down below. Finisher, you know, down in the comments. Also, so, uh, send us a 
um, subscription over to our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and also on Apple Podcasts and uh, um, Spotify. Thank you, guys. You got anything? I want to know what y'all think. Like, leave comments. And, like, I, I always, like, this is not a live episode, but I want to hear what y'all think and, like, challenge my views and so I can read what you're saying and, like, do you agree, disagree? All right. Thank you guys for the challenge. episode. See y'all on the next one. Peace. Man.